2: is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
3: What's going on Packers fans? Welcome to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, episode 223. I am your host, once again, Matt Frelick. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore. Alongside me, again, the lovely, studious, and hockey fanatic, Janelle yeah. Mackey. That's yep. three things I gave you. Normally, it's just yeah. one little yeah. tidbit.
4: Look at that. I mean, I guess March just has you feeling happy or something. So. Well, it is
3: March Madness. That's, yeah, that's, I mean,
4: I guess we're in a good mood because uh, we're the fourth best packaday podcast teams. So. According to
3: one person's opinion, though. It, I, mean, I like
4: the opinion. I appreciate
3: her opinion. <laughs> Maybe someone else would think we're number one probably our parents, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> maybe roommates. Um, but Janelle, what's going on? We're just out of the combine. We're in the cold winter in Wisconsin still. It's not leaving us, but dudes are still running around in Indianapolis in their skivvies and spandex and seeing who can touch cones faster. What did you see from the combine, if anything?
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, I am still in college, so I'm pretty busy even on the weekends. So I didn't get to see much other than some highlights here and there on uh, social media, kind Mm -hmm. of some people's takes, kind of, okay, is this somebody we want to see on the team? Is this, oh, are we kind of hesitant now Mm -hmm. after seeing their results? Mm -hmm. Um, Not really anything in particular, though. What did you see?
3: Um, uh, My question, I guess, follow-up, but there was no arm sizes or hand sizes that were concerning to you that for anyone that they measured in, nothing like that.
4: Um, I guess I didn't really see much of that um it's a joke I, people make f- people yeah, make a big deal about it I know pe- um I think like Kyler Murray's he's like came out yeah. and it was just like mm-hmm. oh man like mm-hmm. the measurements are out so yeah.
3: he still had 10 fingers yeah well eight fingers the- and two thumbs <laughs> and two thankfully thumbs. I
4: count thumbs as fingers I agree so at least we agree on that but
3: no for what I saw from it was uh DK Metcalf is a created player on Madden um he's an absolute monster that was Kind of the takeaway I had up until about Saturday and Sunday. Sunday I actually got up kind of early, um, you know, considering it was a weekend. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to throw on NFL Network. And I watched some of the combine. It was great. First guy I saw run the 40 was Quinnen Williams for Bama, the D-tackle. And dude is incredible. I think he had a faster 40 time than a couple defensive ends. I don't remember exactly who, but just an absolute beast. Um, It kind of solidified... My thought already going into the draft that there's a lot of really good linebackers and outside edge guys in this draft. I mean, yeah. Marquez Sweet runs a 4.4140. Uh, that's stupid fast. I think that was faster than Odell Beckham was the stat I saw. Brian Burns, my guy from Florida State. I'm all in on Brian Burns right now. He's, he's I, When people ask me, friends of mine or whoever, who's the 12th pick, I'm going, you know, hopefully it's edge, but I want it to be Brian Burns. I don't really care who it is because there's like five guys outside of Josh Allen who I know won't be there that i like the Packers to get, but he's just the name I'm going to stick with for now.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, outside of that, the only thing I was kind of disappointed in, in regard to outside linebacker was um, JK Polite, the guy from Florida. Uh, Maggie and Jacob kind of broke it down yesterday in episode 222 and um, kind of Maggie was saying early on in the podcast that this may have had him slip to day two or three. Uh, so maybe a potential value pick, but I think he only ran like a 4'8", 4, 4'40", 4, which is extremely, extremely slow. And I just remember that Quinn and Williams actually ran a faster 40 time than him, and he's like 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> kind of strange. Crazy. It is. Um, quick update on just the NFL. A lot of tags going out today. When Janelle and I did our episode about, I guess it had been about a month ago, we were talking about where the Packers should address needs, um, whether it be in you know, free agency or in the draft. Um be at this point five, excuse me, four defensive linemen, um, I guess, defensive ends were tagged today uh, Frank Clark, D Ford, Jadavian Clowney, Demarcus Lawrence. Surprising Jadavian Clowney got tagged to me because we were talking like initially, Janelle, like how stupid that contract was going to be. Yeah. And then D Ford, they tagged him, but they're still shopping him. Um, there was a report earlier today, you know, we're recording at what time is it? Probably past my bedtime, nine o'clock. Um, Justin Houston, they said it like there was some Twitter buzz going. He was released. He's not been released. Uh, C.J. Mosley is more than likely going to be released. And he was a guy when we were doing our breakdown, um, the episode I'm referencing, I kind of looked at him at middle linebacker and I'm like, eh, I figure the Ravens will hang on to him. And they're going to release him, which is very strange. And Landon Collins, most likely not going to get that franchise tag. That's the other guy. I would like
4: to see Landon Collins put the G on his helmet. Did you see the
3: Instagram post? someone had put um re- I know what you're reposted Haha ha Clinton Dix in the number obviously 21 jersey and Landon Collins is creeping around the comments being like damn thought that was me and I'm like twitter just like exploded for or, like a half a minute um
4: what was it when they said his locker hadn't been cleaned out mm-hmm. yet and he's like anything there doesn't matter to me or something like that i was just like oh man like he's ready to leave he he's is. ready to go somewhere good mm-hmm. so um yeah but That's not what we're focusing on today. We're not. So,
3: again, Janelle, March is great. I like it for basketball, some free agency. Combine's really, really cool, but I don't want to talk about, you know, even though we did. We want to get
4: away from the usual. Yeah,
3: we're going to, as I said yesterday when we were texting, when everyone is uh, zigging towards the Combine and 40 times and stopwatches, we're going to zag and we're going to go super old school.
4: We're going to rewind.
3: (laughs) Cassette tape. (laughs) So Janelle and I, when we got together to do the podcast, when we were paired up back in July or August, we started out actually brainstorming and saying, you know, when it becomes slow, we were kind of foreshadowing, in February, March, and April, what the heck are we going to talk about? Because everyone wants to hear new stuff, and we don't want to talk about the next you know, person that was released that maybe the Packers should sign, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Janelle actually brought it up, let's go through the whole history of the Packers, We were going to do that, but we're going to cut out the non-Super Bowl era just because, for time's sake, we could be in here for two hours just talking about the Super Bowl era from the 60s and on. And, you know, even the Acme packing days. So Mm -hmm. we're going to start in the 1960s. Maybe we'll
4: have an episode where we break down pre-Super Bowl era.
3: The super old school (laughs) era. The newspaper era. Radio era. So I'm going to start. We're going to go from the 1960s to the current... I guess it'd be 2010s. Super weird to say that.
4: I know I don't really know how to like the 20 teens. Teen, like
3: <laughs> the teens? That's not bad. The teens. Uh, so we're gonna start in the 60s. Obviously, you know, in the 60s, that was huge for the Packers. Janelle and I were talking before the ep, you know before we started recording, and it's there's about two or three um, decades where it's like, holy cow, Packers were awesome. Outside of that. You can probably understand if you're a Packer fan when those decades were that it's were pretty not a that...
4: sandwich of like. Yes. Like dynasty and then like. A turd sandwich, yes. if you will. Rotten yes.
3: cheese sandwich. So we're going to start in the 60s. Uh, we're going to start at 1960. And that is. Um, let me get up here. Uh, Paul Horning scores 176 points. Uh, it was an NFL record until 2006 when. Do you know who broke the record? I had to look it up. I do not. Well, Danny and Tomlinson for the Chargers broke it in 2006. Okay. It actually had lasted for 46 years. Mind you, in you know 1960, they only played 12 games, not 16 with LT um, in his San Diego Chargers at the time. Uh, the breakdown for Paul Horning's 46-year-old record was he had 15 touchdowns, 13 rushing of them, and two receiving, 15 field goals, attempting 28 Not even close to a bad Mason Crosby season, Mm -hmm. and then he had where he got a bulk of them 41 extra points, no misses.
4: Wow,
3: 41 for 41. Paul Horning, very, very dynamic player. Um, it was amazing that, that that record to me lasted 46 years, but nonetheless, uh, we go on to 1961, it's the Packers' seventh NFL championship over the New York Giants. Uh, Vince Lombardi blows out his former team in the Giants 71 to nothing in the first ever title game played in green bay. A Little fun fact, on New Year's Eve as well. Can well, you imagine how
4: 71 and nothing.
3: You're of age, right? To drink?
4: Yes. You
3: go, can you imagine Washington Street in 1961 on New Year's Eve after they won a
4: That's crazy. A title? Like what a way to end the year. Absolutely.
3: 71 and nothing. though. So
4: like, oh my gosh. Thir- no, 37 nothing. Oh, I thought you said no, 71. No, no, no. 7th in a row. 7th Seventh Seventh in, in a row. Okay, still no. yeah. still a blowout.
3: Absolutely. Uh, So a little darker here. 1965, Curly Lambeau uh, passes away from a heart attack on June 1st. He's buried in the uh, Alloway Catholic Cemetery. For any of those that live in Green Bay or or around the area, you know where that is. Uh, His birthplace is actually 615 North Irwin Avenue. Fun fact, that is six blocks from my house and I bike past it often. I'll go on runs past it. I drive past it and it's Guys should check it out. It's pretty cool. Real small house and it's just it's it's wild to think that I live 6 blocks away from where he actually um, grew up. There was some kind of when they started to figure out where if that's where actually he was born. There was a tough time pinning that down because, you know, early on when he was born in the 40s you they're don't not have really...
4: a crazy stat for everything that ever exists. Right, <laughs> and they're just
3: like, hey, you live on that block next to the Johnsons and the Martins, not at you know this exact yeah. number, and blocks weren't really a thing. Um, he was pretty much Curly Lambeau, that is, was the first star for the Green Bay Packers. He won six world championships. Um, and on September 11th of 1965, the City Stadium, which is by East High School we all know, is changed to Lambeau Field uh, many consider the Curly Lambeau era one of the most successful of all time, uh, with him being a part of 212 wins, 106 losses, 21 ties, and 3-2 and two in the postseason with 6 world championships. Uh, I'd
4: say that's a good dynasty. Really good. I mean, yeah. that's,
3: that's phenomenal. Uh, in 1967, so two years later, is the Ice Bowl. Uh, 21-17 win over the Cowboys for the Packers' third consecutive title in a minus-13 degree balmy temperature at Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra. Uh, Bart Starr scores a quarterback sneak with under a minute left. Um, That's basically how they win the game. Uh, It's on record to be the coldest game in Green Bay when the game temperature was at minus-13 degrees, as I said. The Packers begin. I think it was in like 1959, so just before we're talking about <laughs> our uh, decades here.
4: Just missed the cutoff. It did.
3: It was. Um, there was only one other sub-zero game besides that uh, at the time, and it was now. And it's the 2007 NFC Championship game against the Giants, which was minus one. I know a lot of people that went to the game. They said it was probably colder than minus one. Um, fun little story. I don't want to go into rant here. I went to a game about two, three years ago. And I'm standing in line, um, this is about the ice bowl, standing in line at, you know, go to the bathroom, of course, and in front of me is these two gentlemen about my age, maybe a little older, you know, they looked, not from around here, we'll say, Mm -hmm. come to find out they're Hawaiian. Uh, Their first time, it's December, first time they've ever been to Lambeau Field. I'm like, cool, man. Like, I love meeting people that have never been to Lambeau before. And I'm standing there talking, and all of a sudden I feel a tap on my shoulder, and I look around and I look down, and it's this this elderly man probably in his mid-80s. I'm like, is this guy, like, is he in trouble here? Like, <laughs> does he need to, you know, hustle up ahead of me? And turns out he just wanted to – he heard the conversation I was having with the two brothers in front of me from Hawaii, and he puts in his two cents. We kind of got to listen hard, and he goes, um, this is your guys' first game? They're like, yep. I'm like, well, I've been here before. He's like, great, great. He's like, do you guys remember the ice bowl? I'm like – Yes, I absolutely do, sir. And they're like, yeah, we've heard of it. He's like, I was 12. I was at the ice bowl. Oh, And it my was just gosh. this weird, that's like, crazy. twilight zone. These two guys who live in Hawaii, first game ever in December in Lambeau, and this guy who's probably going to take a pee in the same urinal he has for 50 years straight. <laughs> uh, just, it was a weird, weird thing. So that's my context, I guess, real that's life crazy. for like the ice bowl. crazy, like meeting
4: somebody who was there. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he said he was 12, which... I guess. I didn't really do the math. <laughs> I didn't want to check him. Uh, my final stat or highlight, if you will, of the 1960s was 1968. Vince Lombardi steps down as the head coach for the Green Bay Packers, but stays the general manager. Phil Bengston takes over as the head coach. He was actually the defensive coordinator at the time. And a little research, it looked like when Lombardi actually was hired um, back in 19, I believe it was 59, um, Lombardi actually hired him when they left, both left the Giants together to be his defensive coordinator. Um, you know, that was kind of the transition out of the glory days, if you will, of the 60s, and Janelle will hit us up with the 70s, but I promised Janelle I'd have a fun fact for every decade, so my fun fact, unique fact, quirky fact, whatever you want to call it, is the first hike in tickets was in 1960 in Green Bay, not in County Stadium as well, so just in Green Bay. Prices went up um, for the next season, so in 1961, they were... $1, One dollar, and they went up actually to five dollars and seventy-five cents for seats between the thirty-yard lines. Other sideline seats went from a quarter to five dollars. South end zone seats in some sections um, boosted up to three fifty, while sections in the north stands increased to about two dollars and fifty cents. Prices remained at seventy-five cents for children. Prices also for the two games in Milwaukee were increase um, from about. Two hundred or excuse me, two dollars and fifty cents in the bleachers to five seventy five in the upper and lower grandstand and the mezzanine. It's we, I, I was gonna do the math quick, but that's crazy going from a dollar to five seventy five.
4: Yeah, I mean it doesn't sound like anything like now in like today's
3: era. No, Janelle, that's like going, that's like me going to McDonald's getting a McDouble and then being it's five seventy five. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah, and they're taking away a slice of cheese, but that's a whole different conversation <laughs> to have. Um, but 1970s, what's going on in the 70s, Janelle?
4: The sorry years. Mm -hmm, The start Um, of them. Not really anything fun to talk about here. I really didn't find anything exciting to talk about, and I'm sure if we had an older listener, they wouldn't be able to tell us anything good about these years either. So I went through, I did the math, I added up all the seasons, so there was only one year in the 70s. It Mm -hmm. was uh, 1972 was the first time they made it to the playoffs. This is the only time they ever took first in the division with a 10-4 record, and they lost right away to the Redskins. So that's disappointing. Kind of later on, 75, it's Bart Starr takes over. Um, I was kind of watching the Packers actually made these legacy videos. I don't know if you remember seeing those. I don't. And um, basically what you can do is if you just type in uh, the legacy videos. I just mm-hmm. typed in like the '70s, and it was just like a 30 second video about how the people, based like the fans, basically picked the coach, and they're like the only person that can get us out of this mess is Bart Starr. And honestly, it looks like statistically it got worse. And they were kind of talking. I can't remember who um, the gentleman was in the video, but he's basically saying like that's not fair. Like he's a player, he's not a coach. You can't put that pressure on him. And I think once we get to the 80s is the first time he makes it, like first and only time he makes it to the playoffs. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it was rough. Um, I did the math, and they had a 57-82-5 and record in the 70s, uh, 39% like a win percentage, which, yeah, nothing really to write home about in that. Um, under Bart Starr in the 70s, they, only, they took 4th in the division every year except for '78, And my fun fact for 1978 is that Bobby Douglas, who uh, played quarterback for that one season for the Packers, he went on to be a Hall of Famer quarterback, and he is one of five lefty quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame.
3: Respect for the lefties. I'm yep. left-handed.
4: Yep, I was like, I need like a lefty, like a lefty quarterback stat in here. I need, I needed something positive, but
3: that's super positive. Lefties yeah, are awesome. <laughs>
4: exactly. Um, yeah. So Bartstar takes over. Hope is still lost. Um, Bardstar's best record in the '70s was eight, seven, and one, and that's when they took second in the division, mm-hmm. and they still didn't make the playoffs. So, still not good enough. Um, yeah, they when they went off to play that. Uh, playoff game in mm-hmm. '72, they like their their quarterback was the weakest spot. I think they went through what like 30 quarterbacks in the '70s, '80s. They went Something through a like lot. That, yeah, they went through a lot. And the Redskins could tell that that was their weakness. And not only did they shut down the quarterback, but um, John Brockington, mm-hmm. who was kind of holding the team together, uh, he had a thousand yards on the year. They held him to nine yards on thirteen carries. Not good. They lost sixteen to three in that first round uh first round of playoffs. So really, really rough uh ten years, ten seasons for the Packers. And then the worst of it that I found was the John Hadle trade. Yeah. Uh I found
3: I found that in my research as well and I was like, hmm, Janelle's definitely gonna bring that up in the seventies. Yeah.
4: Um it's kinda like the nail in the coffin on a horrible, horrible decade of football. Um, so basically what they do is they acquire uh, Hadel, who is 34 years old, and they acquire him for five draft picks. So he better be really good yeah. if you're giving like him five draft picks. Like Herschel Walker type,
3: uh, Julio Jones, where you're yeah, moving, it, moving some yeah. stock. There's, RG3. Not, there's not
4: even anybody in the league, like like aside from like Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. who we already have, mm-hmm. that I would give up that many picks for. He, they gave up... Uh, first and second round picks in 75 and 76, and also their third round pick in 75. So, um, what was it? They uh, Chester Markle, who was a kicker from 72 to 80. Mm-hmm. He said we traded the farm for him, and they lost it all. They lost everything. Um, he horrible, horrible trade option. Um, he was with them for two two years. He played 22 games with 19 starts. He had a 7-12 and 12 record, 9 touchdowns, 29 interceptions.
3: That's a bad ratio. Yeah. I'm not a mathematician, but that's not that's good. That's not a
4: good ratio for somebody that you gave up five draft picks for. I first mean put, and second I don't mean round to put picks. you on the spot.
3: Uh, you just answered the question. What were they? First and second round picks? Uh,
4: first and second round picks in 75 and 76, and a third round pick in 75 as well.
3: Wow. You're reading my mind. That's exactly so. what I was going to ask.
4: <laughs> yeah. So... Not really anything to write home about in the 70s. I'm sure anybody who's listening that lived through the 70s probably is mad that I'm even bringing it up. More than likely. Um, not something I lived through, obviously. Yeah, I just so it. So it. it's harder for me to kind of feel that pain. Mm-hmm. But just kind of looking at the stats, uh, there was only one one season in the 70s where they had double-digit wins, and that's when they went to the playoffs. So, hmm. yeah, 70s. Yikes, not we're great. just going to, we're going to cut it off there. Yeah, I mean, there's not much in the 70s. That.
3: Go For a little context, too, I, while you're talking, I had to double check uh, what I said about Vince Lombardi. So when he, you said they lost to the Redskins, mm-hmm. it was that, I think it was, oh no, that was, never mind. That was in the 70s, you said, right? Yeah, Never mind. 72. I digress. Uh, so we move on to the 80s, which is still part of the sorry years, as they call them. The yeah. bad era, whatever you want to say. Uh, bad
4: era, little better. <laughs> little better,
3: yeah, small improvement era uh again like janelle said not a lot of great things going on as far as on the field but there are some i guess good things as far as the organization goes that i found in that 80s so we started out in 1983 uh ray nitschke retires he's um, considered the best linebacker of the packers of all time um in 1981 so two years before he retired he was actually elected to the wisconsin athletic hall of fame uh, he had a 15 year nfl career with all with the packers and in 1978 he was actually um, enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, again, ahead of time, and he was the anchor for the defense you know, in the 60s that I discussed with Vince Lombardi, leading the team to five championships um, and two Super Bowl victories. Flash forward, then further down to 19, 1983, as Janelle said, Bart Starr had been the coach, he is no longer the coach, released after eight years. Not overly great. I put down in my notes, and I think that's an understatement. Uh, Forrest Gregg, the offensive tackle, formerly of Bart Starr's teammate, is hired as the head coach uh, with a five-year contract. Um, Once that doesn't work out, he um, goes back to his alma mater, SMU, who, doing a little more research, clicking on Wikipedia, when he took over there, they were still under the death penalty for their, um, I guess, Recruiting violations at SMU in the late 70s, early 80s, when they had like Eric Dickerson and those types of dudes. So wild, just weird context. Um, <laughs> so he coached until 1988 until he resigns. Uh, and then Lindy Infante, who my uncle always tells me about, this offensive guru from the Cleveland Browns, comes over. He uh, was his first time being a head coach. It didn't go great. He was. Running a type of offense that just wasn't working for the Packers at the time, um, you know I've never watched nineteen early nineteen eighties tape or late eighties I mean, tape of I the think Packers. It's been
4: proven that we don't need to. <laughs> it's been proven. I just want to
3: know what type of offense he was running. I kind of was when I was doing my research. I didn't really go and check to see, hey, is he running like a West Coast, you know, under center, I form spread offense? I want to say it was more of a you know, sling it around like a run and shoot type offense from what I remember. But uh, nonetheless, Lindy and takes over. Um, you know, through that whole, I guess, transition from Bart Starr to Forrest Gregg to Lindy Infante, it was just this, just this carousel of you know, two coach, two former players that coached, mm-hmm. and now we have this guy who's an offensive mastermind, in quotes, uh, <laughs> coming in. Uh, flash back a little bit, 1985, uh, the Packers built 72 private boxes at Lambeau Field, increasing the stadium capacity to just under 57,000 at 56,926. Seats for butts. In 1986, um, this was a kind of a low light as well. Janelle, you talked about the trade. Uh, Many people consider this to be the kind of the moment the Packers had sunk to rock bottom in the 60s, or excuse me, the 80s. Um, So, defensive end Charles Martin picks up Bears quarterback Jim McMahon, very polarizing player, and slams him to the ground after an interception. Probably a good, you know, two three seconds after he actually threw the ball. Many consider it one of the cheapest shots in NFL history, and it ended McMahon's season, actually, that year. Um, again, just a very low moment for the Packers in the 80s. And as we transition here, I think this is the piece of information that kind of just sets sail to the 90s and on. In 1989, Bob Harlan is elected president and CEO of, of the Green Bay Packers Corporation, and, um, He's credited with keeping the Packers competitive in the free agency era, um, and with the salary cap, and cre- creating the foundation, which Janelle's going to talk about, um, of the Packers being able to get to and winning um, their 12th World Championship in Super Bowl 31. Um, he helped build the Don Hudson Center, the first indoor practice facility in all of professional sports.
4: Fun fact. Go ahead. I, uh... Love fun I facts. Exactly. We're all about the fun facts here. Mm-hmm. I was like a practice player here for UW Green Bay Softball. Okay. And they let the softball and the soccer teams practice inside the Don huntson Center. Weird. So I have...
3: What's it like in there?
4: It's like, I mean... They Is have it kind their,
3: of underwhelming? They have
4: their banners. Like okay. at, When you're like a diehard Packer cool. fan and That's you cool. like go use the bathroom, you're like, oh my gosh, all of these players have been in this bathroom. Like, you get a little like football nerdy, mm-hmm. but...
3: Did the field smell? Like that weird, you know, it that bo. Really? No, it didn't. Mm. But I think we Good w- ventilation. We were
4: kind of there, um, kind of in the spring. Okay. So it was a little bit before that they were getting to it. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. So it, it didn't have their little wear and tear. But I hear you. I've been inside there, and they have like that's their awesome. championship flags, and you're just kind of like, all right, no big deal. I'm just.
3: It just looks like to me practicing like practicing
4: playing ball in here. <laughs> it looks
3: like just a big white pole building. That's why I'm like, it that's why I said it's like an underwhelming.
4: Hangar like. It just looks like there's probably concrete inside it, like people are storing ATVs and stuff in it. Yeah,
3: or airplanes.
4: Or airplanes, yeah.
3: A few more things with Bob Harlan. Um, He was the one that decided to move all of the Packer games to Lambeau Field instead of at Milwaukee County Stadium. He renovated Lambeau Field, um, adding the Pro Shop and getting the Packer Hall of Fame actually on site at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Um, He started the fourth stock-raising program, which is later on here, and um, ended up, you know, I know I'm getting more into your era. It's a good transition, <laughs> I guess. Uh, hiring Ron Wolf, trading for a few other players, signing a few other players. I don't want to name who. Um, my
4: they all know who. <laughs> yeah, my. Uh, but I'll bring it up too.
3: My Snapple fact of the 1980s, if you will. In the early 1980s, the Packers were playing so poorly, the team considered placing a dome on top of Lambeau Field. I don't know what they would call it. Maybe like. The thawed tundra, at, the thaw,
4: the was that slightly a dad, warmer. Was that a dad <laughs> joke?
3: Uh, so that's that was the '80s. So we're we're trending. We're trending yeah, positively. A
4: very very gradual, like very. It was a patient patient incline.
3: That's so nice. Such a nice way to say it. Um, yeah. So 1990s. Yes. I was born in 1990. Janelle, what's going on in the beautiful '90s?
4: New era. New era, new team, new football, new Packers. Mm-hmm. So because and, of Bob Harlan, exactly. 1992, Mike Holmgren comes in. Uh, he becomes the head coach, and in his first season, he has a nine and seven record. So that's positive. New coach, positive record. And then that same year that he comes in, everyone's beloved Brett Favre, he takes over the quarterback role for Green Bay in the fourth game of the '92 season. And as a starter, he went 8-5. and five. So, again, these are positive stats. Uh-huh. Considering I had to look at the 70s, these are very positive stats. Uh-huh. Um, and Brett Favre, in in the 90s, um, he went to the Pro Bowl in 92, 93, 95, 96, 97. So these are good things. Packer, Packer fans are happy. Uh-huh. They're happy early on. And um, then 93... Arguably the biggest signing in Packer history, Reggie White. We all knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. yes. Uh, they acquire Reggie White um, for I think oh might have been like a 17 million dollar. It was a big deal at the time it was yeah, they spent which is, some money which is for big him. at that time. Yeah. so yes, they get him in here and he only played six seasons with the Packers but in those seasons he had one interception for 46 yards. He had 14 forced fumbles and eight fumbles recovered. 301 combined tackles, 239 solo and 62 assisted. And regardless the stats, like anything you read about him, it's like he's the best. Yeah. He's unstoppable. Like you are afraid when he steps uh-huh. on that field. He's the one person you don't want to see step onto defense. Yeah.
3: Impactful on and off the field, too. I mean, he did a lot for the Green Bay community and is remembered by, you know, with outside of what he did inside, you know, the hash marks he was an incredible person in this community.
4: Yeah, he he really turned around Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Like, scary, scary dude on the field, but very impactful in the community. Um, yes, he will be remembered for all of it. That's safe to save. Not just his stats, but who he was as a person and a player. So, we have Holmgren, we have Favre, we have Reggie White. Mm-hmm. And then, finally, after 29 seasons we have the lombardi trophy back home. So, Lombardi com- the Lombardi trophy comes back to Title Town on January 26, 1997. I was born in 96, so I was born just in time. Uh, yeah, so they beat the Patriots 35 to 21 in Super Bowl 31 to end their drought. Um crazy almost 30 years mm-hmm. like after being such a dynasty early on to have to go through all that and it's like to the fans who stayed with them like true loyalty uh I can't even imagine I mean I was not even six months old at the time so I don't exactly remember I remember watching (laughs) the
3: game because my parents actually went to the game so watching it with my grandma and grandpa and like I remember certain parts of it granted I'm like six or five and a half at the time so I remember some of it I remember like a big like pre Bowl party in elementary school it was like just wild, you yeah. know what I mean? Had my B- Robert Brooks jersey on, eating just Doritos and yeah. Capri Suns, just going nuts, but awesome game. Loved it.
4: Yeah, I do. Uh, I have the newspaper of Reggie White running with the Lombardi trophy. Nice. I have that one framed uh, above my bed, so even though I don't remember it, I'll remember it forever because mm-hmm. obviously over time you can watch these games and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. fantastic. Like, obviously a huge moment in packer packer history so anyone listening probably is like yes finally after all those years Mm -hmm. finally came back um and in that game desmond howard makes history because he's the first special teams player to win the mvp award after a 99 yard touchdown return
3: such a great play
4: amazing like that's definitely something that i remember every time i think about that game like Mm -hmm. Brett Favre not winning the MVP because of Desmond Howard mm-hmm. is crazy and well deserved. Um there's yeah. And being in the Patriots too, like being able to say you beat the Patriots, but uh unfortunately the next year they did have back to back appearances, but unlike Super Bowl one and two, they could not go back to back. They ended up losing to the Broncos thirty one to twenty four.
3: Yeah, that sucked.
4: Yeah. Um I don't remember that one either, so yeah. I
3: remember that per, one per I mem- a little less. I remember but that one more. It was they shouldn't have lost that game, really. I mean, they had the game won in the first half and just let it slip away.
4: But, yeah, uh, my fun fact for the 90s, uh, Leroy Butler, who you should all know if you don't, uh, the fun fact about him, he invented the Lambeau Leap in 93, uh, December 26, 1993, mm-hmm. after a fumble recovery and a lateral by none other than Reggie White. So, mm-hmm. naturally, White's involved in that, Uh I think it became more famous later on. I can't remember who made it a little bit more Robert famous, but.
3: Robert Brooks, I think it was.
4: Okay, yeah. yeah. Or made... then,
3: or I mean, that's like a weird thing. It's because other people were still doing it. I think Robert Brooks like did it more consistently, but there were still guys who were like, oh, Leroy yeah. and Rob are doing that. Like I'm going to get in the stands too. Why not?
4: Exactly. So yeah, 90s way more fun to talk about than the 70s and the 80s so mm-hmm. and it, it only gets more fun so we're gonna transition over into the 2000s the, the millennial <laughs>
3: yeah the new um, y2k so I kind of view the 2000s as another transition period but more in like a front office standpoint so what I remember and I talked to other people about this is Mike Colmgren was kind of wanted to have more control over the team and it just wasn't wasn't working they didn't have that going on so um. Basically, what happened was uh, Bob Harlan names um, Mike Sherman to succeed Ron Wolf as GM. So Mike Sherman comes in. I think Holmgren had been gone for a year or two at this point, and they're kind of just like, "Hey, here you go, Mike Sherman. Yeah. Here's the the reins." What Mike Holmgren wanted. That was my interpretation of it. So he hires um, Wolf. Retires actually then um, as executive vice president and general manager a position he had held since 1991 and brought in all those impactful guys that Janelle had mentioned. Reggie White, Brett Favre, you know, you can go down the line. Um, and while, you know, leading the Packers to a Super Bowl, back-to-back years. Um, and again, like I said, it's kind of weird because Holmgren wanted to get that spot. They said no, and then they hired Mike Holmgren to do it, which, or Mike Sherman to do it. Um, and Mike Holmgren goes out of his way and goes to Seattle and kind of gets what he wanted uh, there. Kind of a weird timing thing. 2001. Uh, Brett Favre signs a quote-unquote lifetime contract with the intention that he'll finish his playing career with the team. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, dark time. Dark, dark time. 2003, December 22nd in the Oakland Coliseum. Brett Favre has one of the most incredible football games I will never forget because he throws for 399 yards. Four touchdowns in a Monday night win less than 24 hours after his father's death. Um, I have chills anytime I talk about that, and I have, like real chills because I was in the hospital myself. I had hurt my lower back in a freak sledding accident, believe it or not. So I'm in a hospital bed. I would have been there for like two days and, like, I'm not, I'm like, this sucks. Like, I don't know if I'm going have back surgery or what. I didn't have to. Thankfully, nothing really major got hurt because I was young, 13, 14 years old. So your body heals. But I remember, I'm like, what am I going to do tonight? Well, it's football on. Like, Packers are on Monday Night Football. Like, I love Monday Night Football. And I remember, you know, hearing the news about Brett Favre's dad dying, but it's not like, You know, where I am now, or I'm on Twitter, and I'm just like, refresh, 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 search, and I can get all this information. Like, I probably didn't even know that until 6 o'clock before the game starts. And I remember they are talking about it, and you can see Diana on the field, you can see Favre. And, I mean, the throws he was making in that game were typical Brett Favre throws. Like, they're a little bit more accurate, but he was forcing stuff, and dudes were making plays. Like, everyone was catching everything. I
4: remember uh, Donald Driver saying like anything he puts up we're coming down. That's exactly the thing. I I
3: couldn't remember who said that but that's
4: like I'm 99% sure it was Donald Driver and yeah another well-respected player. Absolutely and
3: that that was just one of those games where I'll never forget that because I mean he didn't have to play in that game like he could have people (laughs) would have been like all right cool just take it off we're good we're playing Oakland like I think Oakland was pretty decent at the time too but he throws for almost four bills, four touchdowns, and they win it Monday night. John Madden's going crazy.
1: Yeah.
3: Um,
4: it's, yeah. It's definitely something, like, I don't remember watching it. I don't know if I even watched it when I was younger. I'm sure, sure it was on TV and I was somewhere playing with, like, Polly Pockets or yeah. something. But every time I rewatch it, like, I get I get emotional, mm-hmm. like, when I read about it, when mm-hmm. I watch it, even just, like, talking about it because it's, like, I there's – so many emotions that go into a moment like that and for Brett Favre somebody who loves football more than most players Mm -hmm. ever will Mm -hmm. and somebody who is so influenced by his father it's crazy yeah it's it's just crazy what happened in a game where he didn't even have to play and the respect too from Oakland a team whose fan bases are not the nicest people no they gave him the standing ovation when he walked out on that field as they should it's crazy the way that they all came together and kind of showed their support for him and then just to see him do that is un- unreal. It's unheard of.
3: Yeah. It's just Yeah, that's it's all I have oof. to say about it. It's just one of those games mm-hmm. to get chills. Mm-hmm. Uh, transition from 2003 to 2005 offseason. Uh, Bob Harlan names Ted Thompson, executive, vice president, general manager, director of football operations with full authority over football decisions. A... A different era, as I will say. (laughs) Um, In April of that year, then, uh, Ted drafts Aaron Rodgers in the first round of the 24th pick. I guess this is the time where I became more of a, you know, it was was new for me because Brett Favre was like, I didn't understand Brett Favre because I'm like, here's a dude, I can tell he loves the game, but he's like throwing the ball around, doing risky stuff, and I'm like, hmm. This Aaron Rodgers guy, that's pretty weird that they would draft a quarterback in the first round, and you go and look, and it's like Ted Thompson was trying to you know, make a statement. Um, also that year in 2005 in that offseason, Reggie White's number 92 is retired. In 2006, uh, one day after the Packers' 23-17 win over the Seattle Seahawks, um, the Packers' first losing season since 1991, GM Ted Thompson dismisses Mike Sherman on January second. So hope you had a good New Year's, Mike. You are out the door.
2: <laughs>
3: and after a nine day search, the Packers named Mike McCarthy the Packers' fourteenth head coach, taking him away from the San Francisco Niners as offensive coordinator. Um two thousand seven Brett Favre throws his four hundred and twenty first career touchdown pass and a victory in the Metrodome in Minnesota. Uh, breaking Dan Marino's career record um, of 420. He threw it on a third and seven. I rewatched the play last night. It's like a third and seven. <laughs> He's got two guys lined up left, guy you know, in the backfield. I believe it's uh, Greg Jennings out right. He gets up to the line. He kind of audibles, talks to the right side of the line, points over to drive, or, uh, Greg Jennings and just throws an absolute dart on a post route to Greg Jennings. He essentially walks into the end zone, just one of those memories, again, you don't forget. And then we go to the 2008 offseason. Brett Favre, the owner of many, many NFL career records, good and bad, mostly good, completions, attempts, yards, touchdowns in the teams.
4: Uh, The Iron Man. (laughs) The Iron
3: Man, exactly. Uh, Consecutive games, thank you. Um, He announces his retirement in a formal press conference on March 6th at Lambeau. Favre then maybe, was it four or five months later, Unretires. He's then reinstated by Roger Goodell. He is traded to the New York Jets. The uh, Jet
4: Favre era. The Jet
3: Favre <laughs> era. I was coming to be a freshman in college, and I'm like, Brett Favre's not playing for the Packers anymore. He's playing for the Jets. Okay, sounds good.
4: I, yeah, this is where I start to remember football.
3: Yes, so I'm like, I guess like I come to UW-Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers takes over as a starting quarterback. I can remember it that way. I've never made those connections. Uh, So Brett Favre is traded for a conditional pick, which actually becomes a third-round draft choice. A little research that I found, it took about three weeks from the first conversation with Mike Tannenbaum, the New York Jets general manager at the time, for Brett Favre to be traded on August seventh, two 2008, Essentially, the end of that '90s era, the Ron Wolf era, kind of the last piece of the puzzle, and one of those you could probably sum up the Packers in five names or events, and that would be one of the five. I think Curly Lambeau would be one, as I said. Brett Favre, we could say Aaron Rodgers, Ron Wolf, maybe Bob Harlan. I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with here, and he's gone. He's a Jet. Later, goes on to play for the Vikings, and we know how that went. My
4: yeah, that's yep. Not a good. Very dark time. My I, line... I, had a, I had a shirt with the circle and the line through it that said Favre. That's it? It was, like, I think, okay, my aunt made it for me, and she's a Bears fan, so I think she was enjoying the pain. <laughs> but even they were like, even the Bears fans were like, what a traitor. Not good. So when, when the Bears are telling you that, and there was... tra- like, it, it hurt. I've forgiven him. Sure. I still love him. Mm-hmm. But he went to my hometown team, and, oh, it hurt. It hurt. It, it was because they're all like, "We got him." Yeah, and it's like
3: and that's what they needed. They needed. <laughs> they needed a great quarterback at the time, and they got him. I mean, with all the other players that had around him, and it's a weird thing. People go back and forth. I'm sure. That, I mean, maybe at one point there'll be a real like documentary on it, or you know, thirty for thirty. But it was really Ted Thompson came in. He didn't want Favre there anymore because Favre couldn't commit to being there, and there was just this internal feud. Um, I do remember when he was traded to the Jets. They were speculating before that where he would go, and somehow the Packers had put in a clause if he went to the Vikings. They had to give them, like, the Vikings had to give the Packers, like, I think it was, like, three first-round picks in a row or something. Just crazy about that. Someone mm-hmm. please fact-check it, but I swear I remember that. Um, I don't have a fun name for my stat for two thousand the 2000s, but we'll call it the uh, the duct tape stat because uh, Spencer Havener, they called him duct tape. At least some people would call him. Because he's just multi-purpose. He can do everything. So He
4: fixes everything. <laughs> he does. Exactly.
3: You got it. Uh, so I'm a big fan of guys that can do multiple things at multiple positions.
4: He's like a utility player.
3: You're catching I it. I love it. You're catching it. Uh, he's like an Ian Kinsler, if you will, of baseball. So Spencer Havener in 2006 is signed to the Green Bay Packers practice squad on October 15th. He's added to the active roster. Um... Because the Packers are actually, or the Bears are rumored they actually want him. Uh, December 2009, he makes a transition from linebacker to tight end. That's where he flips on the other side of the ball. He plays in that 2009 season. He starts one game, plays in all 16, has four touchdowns. This is sort where of gets underwhelming. On seven <laughs> grabs and 112 yards. It was just, I remember it was like a small piece of pie during that season. Where he had like four games in a row where he had touchdowns and like, dude, this guy's awesome. He's like number like forty three or some stupid number like, 46, <laughs> you're like forty how is This guy. Out here I'm like, what is
4: touchdowns? this? What is
3: this dude doing? It was like that weird phase two, you know. Again, 2006, we said Favre you know leaves the package. 2008, it's like that end of Brett's like era the where you're like end
4: of Brett, beginning of Aaron. Yeah, like kind of awkward. Like, what do we get excited about here? Apparently this guy. (laughs) Spencer
3: Havener's catching tutties. So that's all I have for the 2000s. Let's get to the 2010s or the teens or the 10s or...
4: 2010s, 20-teens.
3: 20-teens sounds more clever. The 10s. (laughs) What do you have for now? Yes. The present.
4: 2010, the year that I fully invested myself in football. And it was good timing, too, because the 2010-2011 season, Packers make a Super Bowl run as a wild card team. Um, I think they're the only wild card teams since, like, and I don't remember who before them, but nobody's won a wild card like the Super Bowl in a wild card position since the Packers. So, February sixth, two thousand eleven, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl to bring the Lombardi back to Titletown once more um, since Brett Favre. And I, was there. I you were there. I was there. Really? I promise I was there. Wow. Well Pretty I wild. am jealous.
3: <laughs> Pretty incredible.
4: Uh, I remember just going through this season all of a sudden like I was I was sitting downstairs in the basement watching football with my dad, asking him questions like what does this call mean? What's the play they're running? So it was the year and I have Jory Nelson to thank a lot for it because I was like, I like this guy. He's and cute. Then, and basically, but then I'll go back and I'll watch these games and I'm like Jordy what are you doing dropping that ball Mm -hmm. like that's routine for you so you're
3: talking about the Super Bowl
4: just like the playoff games too leading up to it it's like what are you doing but Mm -hmm. he he was Aaron Rodgers first touchdown in the Super Bowl so uh yes an exciting game Nick Collins with uh the touchdown great
3: play that that play was so fun I had sorry but Howard Green was signed I think halfway through the year just this big journeyman of a defensive tackle and tips Roethlisberger's arm and Collins goes and catches it like he's like a like a center fielder just like on the sideline and yes. grabs it and just the angle and the pursuit he took back and everyone all other 10 guys besides Howard Green, who's probably just just a blob <laughs> of a human being on Ben Roethlisberger um, the other 9 guys are everyone's fine to do to block and just Collins just dives in that was oh it's one of my favorite plays
4: it's it's a play that still makes me salty in the sense that they flagged him for celebrating on his knees. Good. I'm like, it is the Super Bowl, and he like I am. I'm sorry that he. It's like he's. Celebrating. Janelle, rules
3: are rules. You need to follow the rules.
4: I. It just frustrates me. Like, let him be excited. It's the Super Bowl, and he just scored, and they flag him for. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I don't think they cared, but I obviously still care. It's really. I still it's. Get, it's,
3: it's comp- so petty to throw a flag at that yeah, point. Yeah,
4: I still get very, very upset, but I can, I can picture it. He's on his knees with his arms out, and Clay Matthews is kind of, like, grabbing his shoulders, like, oh, the vision, like, mm-hmm. that game. So, yes, fun game. Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers wins the MVP award. Uh, Matthews is up there with the belt for him. Um, things are looking good in Green Bay. And then I kind of jumped to the 2014 season. Okay. Um oh, no, the Packers start with a 1-2 and two record. Everybody's freaking out. Panic button. Panic button. Um, and Aaron Rodgers says five simple letters, R-E-L-A-X, uh, and they go on to have a 12-4 and record and a first-round bye in the playoffs. Now they obviously don't do anything with it. Um, they didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but still, I remember, like, t-shirts and the fences were painted and relax was just written all over the world like absolutely yeah, insane no people ran with it and then i mean it became his thing apparently um i'll get to that in years to come but between his famous phrases there was the miracle in motown
5: mm-hmm.
4: which i this game still every time i see this play every time i see a picture of it I get chills. Uh, this is where the Packers are playing Detroit in Detroit, and I remember rushing home. I remember I remember this day vividly. So it's when I played intermural's. Okay. So intermural. Intermural football. football. Okay. Yep. QB one. Yep. So Respect. I'm out there doing my best Aaron Rodgers impressions, and I remember we had we had the game DVRing, and I don't like to know the scores of games or anything like that until I can watch it. So I'm I'm not looking at my phone. Um, we get there. I'm, not, I'm staying off social media. And we, we finally get back to my friend's house. And they play the game. So I'm like, nobody tell me anything. Just let me watch it. Just let me experience everything. And we're watching, we're watching. Things are kind of not looking good. And all of a sudden I get a text from my dad. No. I can't believe they're losing. I'm like, dad, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like... It's like the golden rule in my family. If we're not watching, like, we don't text. Like, at, at my house, we'll text family members, like, we had to go dark. We're mm-hmm. not watching the game. Mm-hmm. Don't text me scores. And my dad just breaks the rule.
3: Two things. One, I've never done that for a game ever because I don't have the self-control not to watch a sporting event of my team or any team. Two, your dad's name's Mr. Mackey then, right?
4: Mr. Mackey? From,
3: like, South Park?
4: I have never watched South Park. Right. I mean, some he people would, get he that some people won't. Yes, my dad would technically That's be fine. Mr. Mackey.
3: Continue, continue.
4: <laughs> but yeah, so I remember this day vividly because I remember my dad ruining it for me and I just looked at everyone and I was like, just fast forward. I know I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So obviously this game was a little bit frustrating. Um, and then the end, like Mr. Miracle Man, Aaron Rodgers comes in, uh, the face masking call, Yeah. gets them one more chance. There's no time on the clock. He throws an absolute bomb into the rafters, and Richard Rogers comes down with it. Like, you look at the pictures, and just, like, I'm not a scientist or a mathematician, but I'm trying to figure out the logic on, like, how, like, his... Just the way his body looks and the way the ball is released.
3: We need we need John Brinkus in sports science to break down yes. the, the angle and the velocity and, yes. the, and the downward thrust. I would thrust.
4: love if I could find a video of that. There so has to be one. The Packers are literally winning zero seconds of this game, and they win 27-23. to 23.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Absolutely insane. Definitely, like, when I think about... When I was thinking about this era, like, aside from the Super Bowl, that's what I think of. I have never jumped out of my seat so hard just like at home like that like absolutely insane like i couldn't even believe it i'm like facetiming my family and like getting hyped and it's just like nobody can believe that i also have that newspaper above my bed so obviously it was an important game if it's framed above my bed that's kind of how you know um so then after that like here comes the a little bit of a struggle struggle Mm -hmm. season Mm -hmm. uh Aaron Rodgers comes out again. He, he, uh, struggling four four straight losses. They're at a four and six record in 2016, and all of a sudden Aaron Aaron Rodgers comes out. He's just like, yeah, I think we can run the table. Very casual, not no like energy. He's Whoa!
3: Print the shirts. Print the shirts. Run the table. Yeah,
4: he's all of a sudden. He's just like, I feel like we can run the table. He. He had the right feeling. They go on to win six straight. They get a wild card spot, which brings me into my next couple game. Like this, this, this was a great, great year of football. Uh-huh. I loved it. It was, it was very exciting. Like you feel every emotion because all of a sudden you're really struggling. Four game losing streak. You're like, what is going on? These are the Packers. These are the good days. These, these things aren't supposed to happen. And they turn it around and they get the wild card spot. And um, they get to host the Giants at Lambeau. And I remember uh, getting a notification from the Packer app, tickets still available. And I I look at my dad, and I'm like, hey, dad, there's tickets still available, like, hint, hint. And he's just like, okay.
3: That's exactly how I pulled it out with my dad for the Super he, Bowl. Like, yeah. I, my, it was, so they beat Atlanta. Well, we we kind of joked about it because my dad had gone with my mom to 96.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's like, We joked about it for Atlanta. Yeah, they (laughs) joked about it for Atlanta and then like the end of that first half where we get the touchdown like the defensive touchdown, I'm like, damn, this might be real. Then they win, and then you're looking and you're like, Dude, we gotta play the Bears with like Chris whoever the heck it was, like Haney or whatever. I don't remember the guy's name, and I'm like, This is a lock. I mean wasn't so that was awesome. Yeah, harassing dude. your father for t- for I, tickets for a game is even the best like, way. It you harass like You harass. I
4: was just like, "Hey, Dad, there's still tickets available." And my family has always talked about going to a game together. There's six of us. It's kind of hard to get us all together to go to a game. And my dad literally that night bought six tickets. Like we're texting in our family. Like my sister lives.
3: Mr. Mackey. Mr.
4: Mackey coming in clutch. Yes. So the Mackeys drive out to Lambo. And we're tailgating, we're like, oh my gosh, this is real, this is real, the flyover happens, and we're in our seats, and kind of nervous because Mm -hmm. it wasn't looking that great, and then Mr. Aaron Rodgers again comes in, another Hail Mary in the end zone that I'm sitting in, and it's just like... I can. That's something I'm very thrilled to be able to cross off my bucket list: seeing an Aaron Rodgers hail mary in person in the playoffs. In the playoffs, Lambeau, yes, with your family. Yep. The literally the only downside of that game was the fact that I had to watch Jordan Nelson get carted off due to broken ribs. That that broke my heart a lot. Um, but yeah, great game, which leads them to Dallas, and Dallas is the hot team this year. Mm-hmm. Elliott and Prescott, they're rookie, like they're on fire and this this is another game that just oh it's beautiful i mean like with i don't remember how much time i want to say like maybe 11 seconds left rogers scrambles and finds cook yeah that and just draws like, it up in the sand I, and... like i don't even understand like i can't even think of how he caught that like you just see the picture the still frame and you're trying to like think about the logic behind like the gravity and you're just like how we How? seriously need John Brinkus. I know we got to get him. Yes, we we need to have him, him and his on the podcast. A lot of and explain like, all this stuff.
3: Him and his a lot of like hair gel, <laughs> hair. You know what I'm talking about? Isn't it?
4: Yeah, it, and then he does the
3: hand thing where he's. I'm John. Pretty.
4: Like this, the science. Like it's just not there. It's not. But it, it it's Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and his receivers making great plays, mm-hmm. and then Mason Crosby puts the nail in the coffin on the Cowboys' stellar season, and. Uh, they beat them 34 31 and I remember all the madness because the way the ball looked I think they called the, the Cowboys called the timeout and then Crosby goes and makes it again mm-hmm. and the way that ball moved like
3: didn't look like it was gonna go I, and then it did and then it it was a couple times where you're like
4: Ugh. you're like oh my gosh like all the all the Packer fans are like blowing to try and push the ball mm-hmm. like I remember uh skip bales like just I had to like mute him on Twitter I couldn't I couldn't handle the things he was saying but it great game uh, unfortunately uh yeah I don't even want to talk about yeah, it Yeah, brush over that last they, part, please. yeah they didn't win the Super Bowl we're gonna um move on so the final final big game that I could think of in this era was this year mm-hmm. when Aaron Rodgers comes back after a knee injury um I was at this game, too, if you remember me talking about it and, like, freaking out. You blogged on, about on it. On podcast, blogging, like, everything. Everything. Uh, every emotion. Um, just watching him get hurt. And my, buddy, my buddy's sitting next to me, and he's like, I can't do it again. I can't have a season without him again. Which is I laid on the floor. After after a Brett Hundley season, like, yeah. we suffered one bad year. hmm and we're like, I can't do it. I laid on the floor <laughs> at my
3: girlfriend's place, face down underneath the TV, with my arm in my or my head in my arm for the whole halftime. Yeah. The entire halftime, I was.
4: It was. I had
3: waited that whole day for Sunday Night Football. To, we, I'm like, yeah. I'm, Sunday I'm, Night I'm,
4: Football at Lambeau, hundred. I'm just eating like i I'm eating like
3: a jackass all day. I'm drinking. I'm just like, this is great, and just very casual. Like, very Aaron Rodgers
4: is back. It's, and then, good. and then he gets hurt, and you're just like no no nope. please god no and he comes back and like lambeau field everybody's just staring at that tunnel mm-hmm. and he jogs and all of a sudden it's just like the place lit up and then aaron Rodgers and the packers lit up mm-hmm. and they come out and they beat them 24 to 23 they went on like a i think they had 21 points in the fourth quarter like absolutely insane and that is the third newspaper hanging above my bed there it is so i have a uh, super bowl 31 The Miracle in Motown, and then Aaron Rodgers coming back and beating the Bears. And it's just like, what a great, great decade of football. You got some good stuff. Yeah, that is a great decade of football. And we have one more year of it.
3: Yes, we do. We
4: have one more year this decade, so hopefully it's a good one.
3: And it's the newest era under the Matt LaFour five-year plan with Aaron Rodgers under his deal. Um, This episode has gone very long. Uh, We're going to have to wrap it up, I think. But um, Yeah, we could, f- we
4: could obviously talk about this forever. I'm on the
3: Facebook Marketplace right now, and there is an RV for sale for $1,600 that I'm considering turning into a Packer Mobile. Anyone interested, uh, Venmo mean, we'll just like, go halvesies on it, and we need some that like, can spray paint. I've wanted one, but like, look at this here. Like, $1,600 for that?
4: Beautiful. A I 2005 Coachman. We can, we can do a traveling podcast. Awesome. But yeah, uh, to wrap up my, my 20 teens... Um, just a couple important things that happened off the feet, or I guess one of them on the field, I'll start with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson become the best QB receiver duo in Packer history mm-hmm. uh, after they connected for their 58th touchdown to pass Brett Favre and Antonio Freeman, and they did so against the Vikings. Which Zingers. That's what we need. And then in 2016, Brett Favre is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Very important um, kind of makes a statement. like, Yeah,
3: with Bart Starr, too. I mean, mm-hmm. they're sitting there together in the yeah. rain. That's
4: And I think, oof. like, I remember watching that, and I was just like, I felt like I, I hated him for a little bit there, but then he comes out and he says, like, make no mistake, I will be remembered as a Packer. And I was like, my man.
3: My man. Making my... sure that
4: they, because obviously they're going to have his Atlanta and Viking gear yeah. in his Canton locker, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. He, he made sure that we knew. So that's the end of my my decade there. Hopefully Definitely. hopefully, this decade ends a little bit better. Um, we're
3: trending in the right direction. I, I
4: wanted to finish as good as it started. Mm-hmm. So cool. let's make a trend out of that. Uh,
3: once again, this was the Pack-A-Day Podcast, uh, episode 223. I guess we're about two-thirds of the way through a full year. It's an incredible journey so far. Uh, you can find us, as always, on Twitter, at Pack-A-Day you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitch, wherever you can get podcasts from. As always, you know, reminds me, you can ask Alexa to find it as well. Um, you can find all the episodes also uploaded to Cheesehead TV. Uh, they're pretty good friends of the podcast, we'll say. Uh, tomorrow is episode 224. You got Nick, Maggie, and Paul, a couple of the young guns in there. You can find Janelle on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. You can find me on Twitter at Mac. Sunday night football, in the start scores. of a historic no, season for the Green Bay Packers.
4: Go, Pat, go.
5: Rodgers in the shotgun, here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson Harris, Khalil Mack. And Rodgers, unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down to 19 from the Green Bay, 30, snap to Kaiser under pressure, immediately dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15, to the 10. He's to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Max had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. 9.14 to go in the third, Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing.
2: Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is.
5: Up the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. Cool. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. it deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spin. And what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Ellison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Look, Left side. Got a man out there. Doing- under a blitz, Rodgers tight pocket, steps up, throws a left guy, Devontae inside the ten, head back, cuts left, to the five, reaches, high line, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on, has time. the game is over and there finally is
2: dagger it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing